Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each week at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. This week will be a pre-recorded webinar where Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes. We will not be taking audience questions today. And now, with no further ado, I'll play the discussion with Mr. Ashley Perry. As we've discussed in the last few weeks, uh, so much of what's going on in Israel with the coalition and the opposition surrounds the budget. The budget is, uh, as we know, in Israel hasn't been passed for, I believe, three, three and a half years. And obviously, that's an intolerable situation. It is failed governments, the most recent one of Netanyahu Gantz. And as we know, as we've discussed many times, if a budget isn't passed within a certain amount of time, automatically that moment, we start the election process. Uh, and we know that if the budget doesn't pass by November, uh, this government, uh, this unity government, this left, right, Arab, centrist, whatever you want to call it, government, the government of unity, uh, will immediately fall and will go to new elections. Obviously, that's something that the opposition craves. They see this as a tremendous opportunity to try and catch uh, a new government with lots of uh, uh, sort of novices in the executive level uh, to try and catch them out, to try and uh, ensure that they don't have an easy ride and to try and create gaps and disagreements between all of the disparate parties to ensure that the budget does not pass and that uh, we go to new elections. But what happened uh, at the end of last week, as we discussed last, uh, last time, is that the, uh, the, uh, the budget did, and the arrangements law, which we've discussed, the budget being the sort of hard figures and the arrangements laws being the description of where the money is spent, why it's being spent, et cetera, et cetera, which is sometimes more important and, and frequently more controversial, more difficult to pass, but what we did see is on Thursday, the first reading, and remember it's only the first reading of the budget went up on the Knesset plenum floor. And in the end, it was quite an easy ride for the government. Uh, it was 59 to 53 for the budget, 59 to 54 for the arrangements law or the other way around. Either way, there was a nice comfortable five seats. Uh, so what does this mean? First of all, it means that one hurdle has been passed and there were certain certainly joyous scenes in the Knesset from the coalition and despondency from the opposition. Uh, but it's certainly only the first of a few hurdles. Uh, but what it does mean is, first of all, this government uh, craves stability. There's no interest at this point, at least, uh, to go for elections. Um, there were some disagreements on budgetary issues, and there were marathon meetings in the finance ministry amongst the leaders of the political parties to try and iron out uh, these issues. Uh, some would say that this uh, budget passing, and if it eventually does, is a great win, certainly for Victor Lehman. If we look back, uh, a lot of commentators have pointed to the fact that Victor Lehman was arguably the person who started this process, was the person who left the last functioning uh, Netanyahu government, even though it went on for a little bit more. Uh, it was certainly the first blow when he left as defense minister because of what he saw was weakness in the face of Hamas. And then after the first elections in what most thought would be just a normal right-wing religious government, he was the one who stood his ground 
on the issue of enlistment for ultra-Orthodox and uh, to the great surprise of everyone in the country, not least Prime Minister, then Prime Minister Netanyahu himself, uh, he, he stood his ground and Netanyahu couldn't form a government. And second elections were called and then the third and then the fourth. So uh, it, there's a certain amount of irony that uh, Avidur Liebman is primarily the architect as the finance minister um, for what could see uh, greater stability in this government. As I said, this is going to be a two-year budget, which means that the most well, one of the most contentious issues, and certainly one of the issues that can fell this government, the budget will uh, be put off the table once they pass this, if they pass this, uh, for two years. So this, as I said, is such an important moment in Israeli politics, and there was certainly morale boosting, uh, optimistic for the, from the government's point of view, vote that they were able to pass this, not a single member of the coalition uh, abstained. There was a couple who weren't able to make it for various reasons, but there were none that abstained, there were none that uh, voted against, and it passed relatively easily. Uh, perhaps most poignant on the night itself was the sight of former Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu, who had just come back from a two to three week holiday in Hawaii, uh, because of that, he had to isolate, uh, but there was a special part of the visitor's gallery that was um, uh, put aside specifically for Netanyahu and I believe maybe one other MK, but certainly there were some cameras on Netanyahu sitting all on his own, reading a, 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 an autobiography of uh, former British Prime Minister David Cameron. Some might see uh, clues in there for something. Uh, he did get up and make a speech, but it was a speech an impassioned speech, a speech where he talked about the failures of the government, how it's a terrible budget, but obviously that's his role as the head of the opposition. But it was to an almost empty Knesset. So the sight of the all-powerful Netanyahu speaking to an empty Knesset barely made the news. Of course, they did cover it a little bit, but certainly not the type of attention Netanyahu would have got, certainly in the last 12, uh, 13 years. And then it was followed by a full Knesset with backslapping, with cheers, with clapping, uh, when the first uh, reading of the budget passed. Now what happens is it will now go to the committee, the finance committee, which is run also by a member of uh, Avidor Liebman's party, um, who is uh, Alex Krishna, who's the head of the finance committee. It will certainly be no uh, easy ride. Um, the arrangements law is, I believe, dozens of pages long, and each part of it has to be voted on, has to be discussed, and the opposition, knowing that it's unlikely that they will have the numbers to stop it, will try at least, um, you know, delaying it, trying to, uh, you know, slice one or two abstentions here or there, trying to change things that could cause fights between the different parties, because not only are they different on political issues, they're certainly different on economic issues, and we saw that with some of the last minute disagreements. So. This isn't done. This isn't a done deal. Uh, it's certainly, uh, you know, 15 love to use a, a tennis phrase uh, to the government, but there's another two uh, readings. They usually take place one after the other. Um, but now it gets to the really, the part that will certainly be elongated, uh, will be drawn out. Uh, the opposition will try as much as possible to make a lot of noise, to try and delay as much as possible, to try and create wedges between as I said, the disparate members of this party, uh, this coalition, which has right-wing parties, centrist parties, left-wing parties, and an Arab party. 
but uh, you know that was that was the, the the tactic or the strategy all along to try and do that. And so far, they haven't been able to. Some of the issues that were uh, discussed and were resolved uh, in the few hours before the vote were agricultural reforms, where there were compromises found. Uh, the uh, retirement age for women was put up, but not as radically as it was first uh, put in, and regulatory methods. What uh, has been suggested is one of uh, Avigdor Lehman's stroke of genius is, is that he put, this is what some commentators say, is he put in the arrangements laws a lot of things that he knew would not pass, so he could then compromise by taking them out and saying, okay, I'm going to give a little. Because at the end of the day, I believe that everybody in this coalition knew that uh, you know, th this had to pass, and there was always going to be a, a bit of give and take. So sometimes a tactic which is used, and uh, it was suggested the finance minister used that, is he put in a lot of things he knew were not going to pass, so he could be seen as uh, climbing down a little bit on certain issues, but at the end get what he wanted. And certainly on the whole, it's a, it's a good budget. It's a budget which does take into consideration social issues. It's a budget which isn't the most groundbreaking, earth-shattering uh, budget that's ever passed uh, in the state of Israel. But what it, it is, it's a budget with probably the most disparate coalition in the history of the state of Israel. So that was the big political moment. It may not seem that way from afar, but in Israel it was a big moment. And there's a great amount of optimism that in the government that uh, this will pass. Other issues, uh, we've seen a resurgence to a certain extent of the Palestinian issue. In recent days, there was a, a meeting of the Jordanian, Egyptian, and Palestinian leaders in Cairo. Uh, and now we hear rumors of an attempt by President Sisi of Egypt to start some sort of diplomatic political process uh, with the Palestinians. Now, we've heard before that Prime Minister Naftali Bennett said there will be no political process on his watch. And we saw with the meeting with President Biden, there was no great uh, discussion of any sort of uh, big moves at this point. Yes, there was talk of security coordination, of economic aid and assistance, and taking some steps towards that. But as far as a political process, some sort of peace process, uh, Naftali Bennett has put that off the table. Uh, we saw, uh, we spoke about at least, uh, the meeting of Benny Gantz, Defense Minister, with uh, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas, the, the highest level meeting in many, many years. Uh, which caused a bit of discon uh, you know, a concern in the coalition, especially amongst uh, those on the right. Uh, what we do know is that the relationship between Gantz and Bennett is probably the most difficult of all uh, the leaders in the party. This relationship goes back when uh, uh, Benny Gantz was chief of staff, and some argued that Naftali Bennett, who was then, I believe, economy minister, used to go and visit and lead up one of the operations used to go and visit the, uh, the border with Gaza. And, uh, he was told by many uh, slightly lower down people uh, in the IDF that there were Hamas attack tunnels. And he kept on uh, going to the media and calling on people to deal with them and no one dealt with them. And we saw in the end how during one of the operations that Israel needed to deal with them. There were those who say that Benny Gantz was embarrassed uh, publicly by Bennett at this time. He's never forgiven him. Uh, so perhaps some argue that what Benny Gantz is doing now is partly in an effort to embarrass Bennett. Others is, some even suggest that uh, Benny Gantz wants this government to fail. 
uh, doesn't uh, at least wants to leave it on a on a point of principle, an ideological uh, point, and to show that he stood his ground as a centrist or centre-left politician to differentiate himself between perhaps other centrist parties like Yeshatid, uh, knowing that he has an offer on the table from Likud, from former Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu, that if he breaks up the government, uh, they can form uh, immediately a government because we wouldn't have to necessarily go for elections if there was a, a vote of no confidence, uh, which is far more difficult to topple a government. But if you create an alternate government, and you have more than 61, which they would have with Benny Gantz, uh, and Benny Gantz would obviously be put as prime minister and apparently not on rotation. This is the offer made. Uh, he would then be uh, prime minister pretty much uh, immediately. So that offer is in the table. There's a lot of concern about that uh, within the coalition. People are wondering what exactly, what the game that uh, Benny Gantz is playing. Uh, we'll probably know a little bit more about that in the days and weeks ahead. It remains to be seen whether this Egyptian proposal gets off the ground, because obviously, as we know, as far as Israel's concerned, uh, if there is going to be a process, they want it to be led by the Americans and certainly not uh, from within the Arab world. Uh, but there does seem to be some interest within the Arab world to at least look like the Palestinian issue is back on the table. Uh, it remains to be seen exactly what the proposal will look like how serious it is, what are the major players, because we know that Russia and China and others uh, want to try and get involved, want to have their say. But as we know, uh, for Israel, there's only one uh, neutral player uh, who can really push things forward, and that's the Americans, if even there was a government to be able to do it. And as we know, uh, big moves at the moment will be put off the table, going back to the first subject we spoke about, until the budget is passed, because no one wants to jeopardize the budget once the budget's passed, there could be a bit more leeway, perhaps in some of the steps that are taken with this government, maybe diplomatically, politically, security-wise, because uh, at the moment, no one wants to take any great steps and upset some of those uh, disparate parties which oppose, uh, which are opposing on ideological grounds. Um, so there remains to be seen exactly how uh, the Israeli government will react to such a proposal. Uh, Naftali Bennett was invited by the chief of uh, Egyptian intelligence to visit uh, Cairo and meet with President Sisi. Uh, there's no definitive date for that at the moment, but it will certainly be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, when you have a president on one side who seems to be interested in moving some sort of process forward with the Palestinians, and an Israeli prime minister who has stated openly that he has no interest at this point in having any meaningful diplomatic or peace negotiations. And uh, with that, um, I look forward to seeing you next week. All right, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. We will not be taking questions today as this was a pre-recorded webinar. Uh, thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a great day.